ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. In just over a week's time, Australians will be heading to a referendum to vote yes or no to change the constitution to include a voice to parliament. But do we really understand what we're voting on? Today, Indigenous Affairs Editor Bridget Brennan on what we know about how the voice will work and the key arguments for and against it. Bridget, it was in July last year at the Gama Festival when the Prime Minister revealed the draft wording of the voice to parliament referendum question, but oh my gosh, since then there's been a lot of heated debate, hasn't there? There sure has, Sam. And if you remember back to July last year, the Prime Minister was up in Gama in Arnhem Land speaking about what he called a very simple and clear proposition that he was planning to put to the Australian public. Do you support an alteration to the constitution that establishes an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. But certainly there's been a lot of water under the bridge since then and it has become a very polarised argument. There's not uh, bipartisan support and we do know from history that if you don't have bipartisan support at a referendum in Australia, it's a very high bar. It has to get majority of people in a majority of states to vote yes Mm -hmm. for us to decide to change our constitution. There was a resounding no to the Prime Minister's Canberra voice. I don't believe this is in our country's best interest. The coalition parties seem to be bedded in the old assimilationist approach. They know best what Aboriginal people can have. Do we divide our country along the lines of race within our nation's rule book? Do we divide our country within our constitution? This has to change. People's lives have to improve. And we know from the evidence that what improves people's lives is when they get a say. It sees Indigenous Australians as trapped in victimhood and oppression, not free or able to make their own decisions. A roadmap to a solution, not more of the same, not the status quo, not business as usual. Yeah, all right. Well, just explain for me, Bridget, just to sort of make it a bit clearer. If Australians do vote yes, not this weekend, but next at this referendum, what is the body going to actually look like? Well, it's a good question, Sam, because we don't know for sure yet Mm. because we've never had a body of this type, really. But broadly, it will be a body that represents First Nations people from across Australia, from different nations to provide their input into the federal government, into the decisions that ministers make uh, on the laws and the policies that affect Indigenous people's lives. So, for example, if the federal government was coming out with a centrepiece housing policy, for example, this is one issue that really affects Indigenous Australians, particularly in remote areas where there's terrible overcrowding. So, for example, if the government was deciding to have a new centrepiece housing policy, Mm -hmm. then perhaps it would go to the voice, a a body made up of 
Indigenous Australians from urban, regional, remote centres from all across the country representing different states and territories. And that body might say, well, we think you've got it wrong here and we think you should slightly tweak this. We've been talking to communities on the ground and we think this is the best advice and this is the best way to spend the money. So the idea is that that advisory body would be able to give input, but it wouldn't have powers to overrule parliament. Mm-hmm. So if, the, if, for example, the government said, no, no, we're going to go with our housing policy, we don't accept your advice, it could still do that that because the advice of the voice would be non-binding. Yeah, exactly. That's key, isn't it? Advisory body. Yeah. Okay. All right. And it's going to be enshrined into the constitution. That's why we are going to have the vote. So if we vote yes, the constitution will change. That's right. So if you like, we nail it into the constitution and it's there permanently. And that's really what the Indigenous people who came up with this idea some years ago, that's what they asked for. Mm. And the reason is that We've seen governments come and go. They come with different policy agendas on Indigenous affairs. But what we haven't seen change is the living conditions for my people. There are so many young Indigenous people in jail, in out-of-home care, and we're dealing with diseases and medical conditions that really have been eradicated in other parts of the world. So we accept that, but what Indigenous people who support this idea, of course there's a diversity of views, but what people who support this idea say is that If it's in the constitution, it gives it some permanency and then it can't be struck out by a red pen by an incoming government and that there's a sort of expectation that politicians will go and seek the advice from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. As we mentioned, Bridge, there are a lot of arguments for and against the voice to parliament. I want to focus with you now on that issue of health and whether it will improve the health outcomes for First Nation Australians. How will this be different than other measures that have already been put in place, do you think? It's a good question. It is a difficult proposition right now in that we're we're having to look at what could happen and how things might work, but we don't know because we've never had a body like this. We can look to international examples, of course, but there are obviously a lot of health programs at the moment. There's a very strong Indigenous health sector at the moment that works in communities and a lot of Aboriginal people go to Aboriginal health centres to have their medical conditions looked at. And yet we know that those health measures and the life expectancy hasn't changed. So something's not working. I think everyone quite, you know, accepts that. But what would be different is that this would be a body outside of all of that. So it would mm-hmm. be an independent body of potentially, you know, experienced leaders, potentially grassroots people who come, you know, without much government experience, who can come from their communities and say, these are the ideas and this is the advice that we think would be really essential for the government to take on. All right. Okay. So let's bridge look at another issue that sort of keeps coming up. When ABC reporters have spoken to people in remote Aboriginal communities, some people there were worried about the level of representation their communities would actually get from the voice to parliament. So what assurances are there that, you know, particular remote communities in Australia would have their voices heard at that national level? So as I said, we don't know for sure, and that's because we don't have a voice that we can look at underway in this way. You know, there are state models we can look to, but it's the politicians that will come up with the detail of designing what the voice would look like in their negotiations in Parliament if this referendum was to pass. There is a model that's been proposed in a discussion paper 
paper that was commissioned by the previous government. It was written by Indigenous leaders Tom Calmer and Marcia Langton, two people with a lot of experience uh, in this space. And their model would have also local and regional voice groups, which mm-hmm. would be designed and run by communities. And those local groups could then feed into the national voice. So if you imagine a much bigger table and there would be people coming to knock on the door with their advice from the local level. And so you know, that there has been an idea that there would have 24 different people covering 35 different regions at that national table. So certainly not able to represent every single mob from around the country. And this has been one of the criticisms from the No campaign and from the progressive No campaign, that if it doesn't involve all of our different mobs, how can it be representative? So that's a question that people um, have to think about when they're deciding to vote on this. Another suggestion that was in the Yes pamphlet that was distributed by the Australian Electoral Commission is that the voice would actually save money. But surely, Bridge, if we want to close the gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians, don't we need more money? Don't we need to be spending more? Well, actually, no, Sam. When Mm. you speak to people on the ground, what they're saying is we don't necessarily need more money. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people do It's in some organisations, but they're saying we want to have a pot of money and we want to decide where it goes best. So at the moment, what a lot of Indigenous people I speak to who run community-led organisations that are really working at the coalface of trying to change things for our people, what they're saying is, you know, we've got actually quite a bit of money to work with, but it's Mm -hmm. going to non-Indigenous organisations or we got a program, a bit of money for a program, and then it was cancelled within three years and it was actually going really well. So it's actually the distribution of money and where it's going, why why certain programs are being selected and are we evaluating the right programs that are working on the ground. So it may not actually be about more money. It's actually about the decisions that are made at that budgetary level. Mm, okay. Now, another issue, of course, that's been raised during the campaign from no campaigners is that the Uluru Statement from the Heart, it asks for voice treaty and truth, and that if you vote no at this referendum, that would be a way of preventing treaty. And they argue that includes payments to First Nations Australians. What's the truth there? Well, they're separate but related issues, Sam. Mm. This referendum, people need to remember, is only about the voice Mm. to parliament, only about this non-binding Indigenous advisory body. But that idea came from a statement called the Uluru Statement from the Heart, which came out in 2017. So if you think of that statement in three parts, the first part was we need a voice, we need this referendum to give us more say on policies. The second part was we want a treaty, and that's been a long-held aspiration of Aboriginal people. And then the third part was truth. So it was, we need a truth commission. We need to examine what's happened in our history. So at the same time, we do know that treaties at a state level with some First Nations are kind of in their infancy. Victoria is probably the furthest down the line. So there has been a bit of a scare campaign about, well, if you vote yes, you might get a treaty. Actually, if you vote yes, there are already treaties underway, or if you vote no, there are already treaties underway at a state level. So that is happening in some jurisdictions, but it's not what we're being asked to vote on. Another argument that we're hearing a lot from the No campaign is that the voice is divisive, that it's going to divide the country based on race. Tell me, how does that stack up against the disparities that exist between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians already? I think when people are going to vote, you probably need to really think about 
yeah, what are the divisions that already exist in our communities? So uh, what are some of those gaps in health and education that already exist at the moment? When we look at an Aboriginal kid from regional Australia, are they at the moment having the same opportunities as a non-Indigenous kid? And in some areas, well, no, because they're not going to on paper, they're not going to live as long. Um, potentially, they don't have the chance to finish high school at the same rate as other Australians. So we know that there are already some divisions in our country, but there are different views on this proposal within Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. We're a very diverse community, and, and I think one statement doesn't really apply to all of us because there's so many different people from different nations with different experiences. So that's, I think, been one of the things that people are trying to get their heads around is that there's not one perfect example of what an Aboriginal person thinks or wants, and, and that's been something that people are grappling with in, in this campaign. We're just over a week out from actually voting. What effect is this debate having on Indigenous communities, on First Nations people in this country? How has it been for them over this period? Sam, I can't tell you how many Aboriginal people I know are saying to me, I just want it to be October 15 or I want it to be November already and I want this campaign to be over because it has felt like no matter where you stand on either side of the debate, it does feel like uh, Indigenous rights are being debated and that can feel very personal. There's mm. been quite a debate about our history in Australia. Some of the language that's been used is very inflammatory. Some of the things you see on social media are deeply damaging and racist and very upsetting for our people. So, yeah, look, it hasn't been a nice campaign and we do know that some of the helplines that support Indigenous people, 13 Yarn in particular, which is a wonderful service and people should reach out to it if they need to, but that's seen an uptick in calls because people just need support, right? Right now. So this has been a difficult time for the nation. Let's not pretend it hasn't been. Bridget Brennan is the Indigenous Affairs Editor for the ABC. Early referendum voting began on Monday. If you want to know about the role social media is playing in the campaign, look for TikTok's role in this referendum from last Friday. That's in your feet. This episode was produced by Nell Whitehead, Sam Dunn and Anna John, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. To get in touch with the team, please email us on ABC News Daily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening.